Welcome to Simple Truth Love, a place where we talk about self-leadership, self-care, and self-love. With the hope that our self-help conversations might inspire you to look at fundamental well-being practices. Here, we'll dissect powerful words and explore how those words can enable or disable us from being our best selves. And contemplate things together that make us be the best we can be. I'm Cindy Bradshaw. And I'm Rochelle Doyle. And today we're talking with Riva Jean-Paul about resilience. Riva Jean-Paul is a spiritual health coach for women. She's the founder and director of Resolute Circles Group and a certified hoop love coach, group fitness instructor, personal trainer, and breathwork facilitator. She enjoys working with the moon cycles, elements, and themes of the season and the experiences she creates. Her mission is to help women take better care of themselves and become better leaders in their lives, allowing them to reach their full potential. Riva works on breaking the cycles of generational and ancestral trauma that are holding women down and works towards making the world a better place for future generations. Thank you for joining us today, Riva. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be here with you all. We are so excited. The definition of resilience we are going to use today is a noun, the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back from difficult life events. So Riva, tell us a little bit about why you've chose resilience to dissect today. Sure. So to me, resilience is really key to living life, especially in this day and age. As most of us know, we've had a wave of challenges over the past few years, and they only continue to resurface. And being able to stay resilient in all of that is so important for being able to take care of ourselves, to show up as leaders in our lives, and to be able to give back to our community in in some way. To me, I feel like if you don't have a resilience practice or any sort of resilience genes in you, then it's going to be a challenge to get by in life. Hmm. So Cindy, why do you think resilience is important? I think that suffering is a part of life. And because of that, it's really important that you have the skills to be able to bounce back from adversity and things that don't go your way because life is not always going to be happiness and rosy. There are going to be ups and downs to life. So I think it's really important that you learn the skills to be able to bounce back. What about you, Rochelle? I agree with both of you. When I really started thinking about what resilience was, it's getting up again and again and again sometimes. And in its most simplistic form, it's how babies learn how to walk. And when you hear testaments of highly successful people, they often talk about the failures that they had to go through in order to get to the point of where they are now. So it feels like it's just how you keep going. So Reva, tell us a little bit about your work and how you got where you are today. Sure. So it's been a very dynamic journey. I moved to Sacramento about 11 years ago. And I originally moved here to go to Sacramento State. I moved here kind of on a whim, if you will. I didn't know anyone here. I didn't have any family here. I applied to several colleges in the state of California. And Sacramento is just where I happened to get accepted. So I packed up my bags, moved down here without much of a real plan other than just going to school. And within a year, I learned quickly that I wasn't invested in school for myself. It was because it was what I thought I had to do because it was what I thought my parents wanted me to do. 
And very quickly, I started to become distracted with other things, which kind of led me to the path that I'm on now. So I'm really grateful for the way it all worked out. I became involved with a creative community here in Sacramento and was really involved in like the nightlife scene, which is actually a stark contrast from the life that I live now. But it's where I found hula hooping and hula hoop dancing. And I had the first idea to start a hoop troupe, which then grew into a small business. And we did interactive entertainment and performances locally here in Sacramento. If you're in the area, we did concert in the parks. We did This Is Midtown. We did City of Trees. So we were pretty popular there towards the end. And then the pandemic hit, of course, and just completely changed everything. While I was running that business, I was also working as a group fitness instructor and personal trainer. So I was doing those simultaneously, which was challenging in many ways. And so I was really grateful for the pandemic because it forced me to slow down and take a few steps back and be like, okay, well, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't in a way that was sustainable. And so with that, I took the opportunity to go back to school and to go through some business programs. And through all that process, I discovered my love for spiritual practices and really tapped more into that side of myself, which led me to get into women's health and health coaching, which was a very natural progression from everything that I had gathered and experienced in my past. And I've been doing that for about two years now. So feeling very fulfilled, very aligned, things are going really well. And to me, I really feel like I'm stepping into my life's purpose now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting that you said on the subject of resilience, that the pandemic changed everything. And usually when I hear people talk about the pandemic, they say it detonated everything, it ruined everything, it hurt things for a negative way. And on the subject of what we're here to talk about, you simply said it changed everything, which it did. It made things different. Yeah. And in, in many ways, I had to tap into my own inner resilience during that time. You know, it wasn't a quick decision to be like, okay, I'm just going to go this way now. It was a process that I had to go through. And there were a mm -hmm. lot of emotions that came with it as well. A lot of grief, a lot of sadness, because everything that I had worked towards, as I knew it, was destroyed. But within a few weeks, few months, I was able to switch my perspective and tap into my resilience to get back up and to try something new. I think the pandemic's interesting because it gave everyone this time for reflection, which was really needed for people in the world. And so it's created a lot of change, which is scary and it's also exciting Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Cindy and I had gone back and forth on, I'm curious on your thoughts on, do you consider resilience a practice or a state of being or is it something else? I love this question. And as we were doing the intro, I noticed I already kind of foreshadowed to my response to this question. And I do believe it is more of a practice versus a state of being. I think resilience comes into play at different scenarios and different times. So I think it is more of a practice versus just being in a resilient state all of the time, because there are places where we do need to soften and back off. And so I think if we're constantly in a resilient state, that could be aggressive or exhausting. But thinking it more as a practice and knowing when to tap into different levels of resilience at different scenarios, I think is a better way, at least to me, to look at the word of resilience. I love that because 
I hear people say all the time, I'm so tired of being resilient. I'm so tired of everyone saying like, toughen up or do hard things. Like uh, there has to be a time also for that reflection and to sit with, ugh, this doesn't feel right right now. I'm tired. I want a rest period. And I think that's okay. I think where it is something that you need to work on would be if you're sitting in that for too long of a time frame and having that become your that victim mentality becoming your identity where sitting with it and processing it is okay but then resiliency is that you do have to at some point get up and move forward so what do you think about time frames for things like that hmm, interesting i think it depends on the scenario on the individual. Some of us need more time and need more space. And I feel like that really comes down to being in touch with yourself and your own inner knowing and knowing what is actually best for you, which is a whole nother practice in itself. But I don't know if I can say there's like a specific amount of time where you become not resilient, where you're becoming more of that victim, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned. I think maybe it comes down to just getting to a point where you're able, like you said, just to move forward. If we're not moving forward and we're staying stuck in that victim state, then I feel like that's when it can become detrimental. And when that occurs, like I said, it depends on each person and each situation. So can you talk about how resilience relates to your mission and your life's work? Yes, I would say that it's a huge part of my life's mission and my life's work. For me, I have very intentionally chosen a path that is not the easier path. I mean, in some ways, for me, it is easier, but in many ways, it comes with a lot more challenge. So years ago, when I was a waitress, I did that for about a decade. Towards the end, when I had started creating my creative endeavors and doing my hula hoop business, I decided I want to make a living doing what I love. Mm-hmm. Like I was really unhappy at my waitressing job. And I was like, I don't want to live like this. Like it doesn't have to be this way. And we look around and we see so many people, right? Just miserable doing whatever it is that they're doing in jobs that they hate, not being able to move forward, maybe abandoning their hopes and their dreams and their desires. And that was just something that I just was not ready to do. And I haven't looked back since. And it comes with a wave of uncertainty and ups and downs and a lot of hard work. But to me, I feel so much more fulfilled in the long run that it's worth it. And it does require me getting up again and again and again, almost every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know anything about be having a creative path or an entrepreneurial path, it takes a lot of resilience. and. To me, it's like I don't even look at my past as as failures. I really just look at them as opportunities for growth and to become more resilient and stronger as I continue forward on my journey. So yeah, it's a very important part of what I do. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I think resiliency and change play an interesting role because I was just thinking about it in terms of relationships too, that separating yourself from a long-term relationship is terrifying to think, this isn't serving me, but what if the rest of the world isn't going to serve me either? And having that kind of strength to try new things is what it is that we're trying to build to create your own best life. 
even if your life is not working for you, it's comfortable. Yeah. And that I think is a huge distinction. Can it look different? And then it's going to be super uncomfortable to try this new thing. But if you get out there and try the new thing, like it might be even better. So you do have to come at it from that perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that discomfort, it's necessary. It's part Mm -hmm. of the process. And it is, like you said, it is easier sometimes to stay with what's known and what's comfortable. And I know as humans, like we really truly crave that, but we also all want to self-actualize and reach our full potential, even if we're not consciously making those types of choices or consciously verbalizing that type of intention in our life. It's something that we all really truly want. And when we let go of all of the shoulds and all of the fear and all of the limitations that keep us stuck, we can really start to tap into a new potential of ourselves and of our lives. I think the pandemic is such a great example of you got used to being at home and not having to be social and be around people. And you could be in your sweats all day with your cozy blanket on and your cozy socks and you get used to that. And then all of a sudden, you're having to reemerge into the world. And it's all of a sudden seems scary again and seems like, oh, I have to put myself out there. I kind of want to be back in my PJs with that warm blanket (laughs) on the couch. (laughs) But you have to push yourself every day to get out there. So what do you think is the deciding factor for people to push themselves? What is it that people need to change a behavior? that they're really used to and comfortable with? Hmm. I would just say practice, I think is important. Starting with little small acts of discomfort in your day-to-day, whether it's going to a store you maybe normalized wouldn't go to, or maybe saying hello to a person you wouldn't normally say hello to, Or maybe like if you see an event that you're really drawn to going to and you don't have anyone to go with, going by yourself or going to a movie by yourself. I think just doing little acts of discomfort on a regular basis, over time, we start to get more confidence in ourselves. And when we do those uncomfortable things and it actually winds up being okay, we're like, okay, I can do the hard things or do the uncomfortable things. So I think it's a daily thing, if not a daily thing, at least most days. (laughs) Can you share a story from your life where you learned the importance of resilience in self-care, self-leadership and self-love? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my favorite stories to tell is my journey of learning to swim. And this was kind of like my COVID hobby, if you will. I know a lot of people picked up something, right? Well, I picked up swimming. And before that, I was training for half marathons. I've always been a runner on and off and not currently training for anything right now. But during the pandemic, I decided that I wanted to train for a triathlon and not just any triathlon. It was the Ironman half. Wow. And if you know anything about those races, they're crazy. (laughs) It's like a whole nother level of resilience for these races. And I had it in my mind that I wanted to do this. And so the running was easy enough, right? I had already had running in my background and was a pretty fit runner. The biking was uncomfortable, (laughs) but doable. But the swimming 
was a whole nother story. Like I thought that I knew how to swim. And then once I got in the water, I was like, oh, I actually don't know how to swim. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't understand the mechanics and the breathing. And so I took this on and be like, okay, I really want to learn how to swim. And so I would go to the pool once a week, twice a week, some weeks by myself and I have a background in movement and instruction and personal training. And so I have a good body awareness. And I was working with a virtual coach at the time and she would send me videos and I would take notes and go swim and kind of notice what was working and what wasn't working. And through that process, over the course of six months, I eventually taught myself how to swim. But when I initially started, it was really hard because I went to this one pool where there's a lot of experienced swimmers and they have like the master swim going on. And so I was just so worried about just looking like a fool, essentially (laughs) not knowing what I was doing. And then as a woman of color, there's another interesting layer to this. I have straightened my hair just because I like the way I look with it. And it's a little bit easier to maintain for me during the week sometimes. But when I would go swimming, obviously, or maybe not so obviously, my hair doesn't it's not straight anymore. It becomes curly. And that's something I'm still kind of working with within my identity. But I was so concerned about looking silly, about my hair not looking good, that it would really pull me out of the workout. And on those days where I let it get to me, I would have the worst swims and I would leave the pool feeling so defeated. And I noticed like, wow, I care so much about what other people think of me Mm. that I'm totally denying myself a good workout, having fun, learning this new skill. And meditation practice is actually what really helped me. I started meditating before I went to the pool and it made such a huge difference. And I was really able to just like, okay, I'm just literally just stay in my lane (laughs) and focus on my swim. And yeah, I eventually learned how and I still go every week now and I don't care about my hair anymore or what other people think of me. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite stories of resilience. Well, what's interesting there is that I hear two key points. Number one, practice. Keep showing up. That's what helped to build the resilience that you needed. And number two, stepping away from what other people thought and owning that it was your own experience, Mm -hmm. I think are really two strong points. Yeah, most definitely. Cindy, do you have a story? So the story that comes to mind is the first time I went to a hot yoga class. A friend of mine said, oh, you need to come with me. It's going to be great. And I'm like, well, I like heat. I like yoga. Why not? So I show up to the class and the first thing they tell me is whatever you do, don't leave the room. So I'm the type of person that when you tell me something like that, I'm instantly going to be in a panic about, oh my gosh, I might have to leave this room. What am I going to do? So my mind's racing and we go in and it feels really nice and warm. And then we start the yoga. And if you've never done a hot yoga class, it is freaking hard. It's like 105 degrees, I don't know, 90% humidity. It is hard. So the entire time I'm doing the class, I'm thinking to myself, I can't leave this room. However, everything in my being wants to leave this room because I'm hot, I'm sweating, I feel like I'm gonna pass out, get sick. I'm not really sure. I'm also pretty competitive. So I feel like I have to stand up and do the moves and I can't just lay on my mat because they always say, if you feel weird, just lay on your mat. Well, of course, I'm not doing that. I'm keeping up with the class. So 
I get through the class. I get out of the hot room. I feel like amazing because it's cool. (laughs) And I got through this class and I realized like the rest of the day, I felt like such a badass. Yeah. I felt like, Hey, I just did something super duper hard today and I feel amazing. And it made me want to be that way with other things in my life. So it was at first this like crazy awful experience. And to go back, I was still panicked. Like, oh no, I'm going to go back to this. But I felt so amazing afterwards. And then I started doing it for years. And I just loved that feeling of doing something hard that made me feel like I cared for myself. So that experience to me just really showed me that yes, you can do hard things. And sometimes you're going to feel not so great doing them. But you can persevere and you can get through this. And on the other side, you feel like a badass. I can actually be a badass and do things I didn't think I could do. Rochelle, what about you? When I was thinking about stories in my life that demonstrated the importance of resilience, I really thought about when my mom died in 2016 and the way that I felt the next day. I thought that the sun had audacity for daring to come out and shine. And I saw people walking down the streets. I remember seeing like kids laughing and people high-fiving each other and being like, how can you possibly be high-fiving each other, random strangers who I don't know, but don't you understand that the entire world has shifted? And I'd say that, of course, it was a devastating time. It was really hard. But the thing that got me through it was the people around me, the people that checked on me, the people that forced me to take a shower, the people that said, we're going for drinks right now. I think, yeah, even the people that helped me to, you know, told me you have to plan a funeral, which I think is kind of a sadistic thing to have to do if you're going through something. But also maybe going through those checkboxes of having to plan some event puts you in another headspace so you can get away from where you are. But when I reflect back on this, that I was in for the entire year, I think I'm just really grateful for the circle of people that was around me. So important to be able to have a group of people in your life that can give you that support when you can't give it to yourself. And I know with self-care, you know, you want to fill your cup from within, but sometimes you just don't have the capacity to see that and you need to rely on other people. Yeah. And it's really okay. Yeah. I think that that's the part, the self-care for me is having a good posse. Definitely. We are community-based beings and we need people as much as we need to be in touch with ourselves and connected to our own truth. We also need to be relying on the support of our community too. Mm -hmm. So what role do you think resilience plays in identity? I think it can play a huge role for sure. I think that it probably plays a role in my own identity If you know me, most people would probably say I'm a very determined (laughs) person. And so resilience is something that's interwoven into how I am. And really, I think it comes from how I was brought up. I grew up in a military family. Both my mom and my dad are retired Navy. And I feel like having that be such a integral part of how our household operated and the standards that I was held to growing up really kind of made being a resilient person as part of my identity. If you know anything about a military background, it's that very like, you know, kind of suck it up, 
push through, do what you got to do, which can be a detriment sometimes. And I've learned how to soften and find the balance, but I'm also really grateful for it because I look around at some of my peers and it's something that people struggle with being able to get up and try again and to persevere through challenging times. I do see people struggle with it. And so as I've gotten older, I'm really grateful. When I was younger, I I hated it, right? I was like, oh, my parents are so strict. I have to do all this stuff. But now I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful that they really held me to those standards and always push me to keep going and to get back up and try again because it's interwoven into who I am now and how I show up in the world. Mm -hmm. I think I relate to my father was in the military and having that really kind of strict one way to walk the line, he's also a police officer background, wasn't always easy. In fact, I think it probably made me more rebellious than other people. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I've heard you either go one of two ways with that. I can relate. But it's interesting because while that played a role in my resilience, one of the first things that I had thought when you sent the word in that you wanted to work on, I had this instant protest of just the word resilience. And the reason why was that I think I had been applying the wrong definition to resilience in the way that I've been taught that I need to practice resilience is through being really strong. It's like this vision of myself with the weight on my back and I'm sludging through and I'm always making it and I'm never showing pain and I'm always ready to fight. And it made me think that in a lot of ways, I think our culture, the U.S. society, A, they call Black women to be really strong and resilient in our society, and they can bastardize the word. And really what resilience can mean is the opposite. It can mean sitting inside of your house for a day and just taking the day to recoup from whatever it is that you need to do. It's about showing up again, and whatever you need to do to show up again is that practice of resilience, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, that's really beautiful. And that's kind of what I was feeling too, is like with resilience, there is this bit of softening that comes with it too. It's not always the push and carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. Like you said, part of resilient is getting back up. And so in order to get back up, we have to allow ourselves to fall down as well. Absolutely. One other point that I thought was kind of interesting when I was just looking up the word, finding out that women and minorities are more resilient statistically in businesses and starting businesses than Caucasians or males because of the experiences that they've gone through. So Mm -hmm. we know that tough times make resilient people. Cindy, how about you? I think it's interesting from the standpoint of parenting. And you both talked about being in more of like an authoritarian type household, right? Where I was raised in a more permissive household. And I would say I probably hold a little more of the like, oh, this hard thing happened to me. I can't move forward or like, I don't want to or because nobody's like, pushing me towards not staying in the victim mentality too long. So I think Reva, what you're saying is, yeah, you do have to feel the feelings and say, gosh, this hard thing happened to me and it wasn't okay, but you can't stay stuck there. And you have to move forward. And sometimes having people in your life that push you towards getting up and trying again is a good thing. Not to say that toughen up, don't feel your feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a balance in that. And I think that's a very important distinction. 
And I think depending on how you were raised, you can side more with one than the other. And so it's important to really reflect on how you were raised and what your go-tos are and how you can live differently in the future. Like right now, I've been doing this thing this year. I told Rochelle about it. I've been doing a put yourself out there activity every single week. And it can be something that other people would not think is a big deal. For example, I do not like driving on freeways. I do not like in Sacramento where you have to merge onto 5 and get off at 26th. That little intersection just freaks me out. Driving it and just saying, okay, we're going to drive this today is a put yourself out there activity for me. You know, it's not like I'm doing anything major, but for me, I'm pushing myself a little bit each week in some kind of way to better myself. And I think that's what it's all about. Yes, most definitely. I love that. So, do you see resilience being significant on a global level? I do. And I think we're seeing that all play out right now, just with the state of the world. There are so many challenges that our collective is facing. And it does require us to be resilient as a collective to try to solve these issues or at least mitigate them in some way. I mean, the list is really (laughs) endless. I mean, I giggle just because of the truth in that. It's comical and just ridiculous how much we are dealing with as a society, but specifically like with global warming, like can we be more resilient as a collective to work towards solutions to these problems and even just the way our systems are set up? You know, it's become very clear that many of them are oppressive and broken and how can we be resilient as a collective to hopefully try to dismantle these systems and create them in a way that is more equitable and more just and more fair. Mm -hmm. What about you, Cindy? When you were talking, I was thinking about, I recently read the book of hope. It's about Jane Goodall. And it's really a call out to young people about the environment and the need to take care of the environment and stay hopeful. And part of resiliency is you need to stay hopeful in order to keep continuing on. Her call out is about not giving up because a lot of people feel so hopeless that they feel like there's no way we can change this. So I just won't help out. But everyone needs to, on a global level, have resiliency right now with everything that's going on in the world. And what about you, Rochelle? My brain is going in like 30 different directions, but I start going back to that original idea of resilience within the identity and thinking about the way that it plays in community on a global level. Number one, our perception of certain people of who should be resilient and who shouldn't be resilient is huge. So even the perceptions that we have form how it is that we're judging and making expectations for certain cultures. And that plays into that equity conversation that you are having, Reva, and is important to put on the table so that we're all recognizing that there's biases that we're coming in with. The other thing I was thinking about was organizations or infrastructures or countries being resilient in themselves and what that looks like for an organization to be resilient is really important, right? Where are the cracks in your foundation that are going to sink the whole ship? And also, 
who do you have in your community again that can help support you, that can rally around you? We're kind of seeing in the world right now in a devastating way. So yeah, it definitely has an impact on the global community. It's having that more of a global perspective on the world and how we all, everything that each and every one of us does affects the other and leading from that place versus leading from this individual, especially when you talk about corporations, you always think about that corporation that's like, so what if we put oil out into the oceans, you know, Mm -hmm. so what? We'll be making billions of dollars. It's about what's best for the world. Do you think that there's such a thing as too much resilience? I do. I do. And I feel like I lived that life for many years where I was always pushing and never knowing when to let go or to slow down or to allow myself that space that we've talked about today, that time to sit with things, to feel our feelings, to give ourselves what we need so that we can move forward in a way that is sustainable. When I was younger, I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was always just thinking of how can I keep going? How can I keep pushing? Mm-hmm. And it was at the detriment of myself and my own well-being. You know, I relied on external factors, over-caffeinated stimulants to keep up with things. So I think there can be too much. We can be too strong and too resilient. It's me, there's like, there's this perfect balance, right? We want to have that go and that active and that push to get things done and make things happen. And then, you know, that can be considered more the masculine energy. And then there's this more feminine energy that is more receptive and allows us to rest and to slow down and to receive everything that we are creating and calling in as well. What about you, Rochelle? In thinking about the tools that I've used for resilience in the past, one is detaching from emotion, which is healthy to do to a certain level, and then it's unhealthy. And I think about the day that my mom passed away. The first thing we did was we went to a lawyer and we got a list of things that we're supposed to tick off the list. And we started working on that list immediately. And when you talk about that militant background, that I think plays later on in life when, well, when you're staying stuck in a situation for too long. I think I've stayed in careers many times far too long because I'm used to being treated a certain way or I'm used to not having to be respected, stayed in relationships too long. That's too much resilience. You need to stop and separate. How about you, Cindy? Yeah, I think those are really great points. And I do think it can be too much. You really need to ask yourself a question. Is what you're doing harming you or helping you? And so if it's too much resiliency, that could be harming you, right? Or is what you're doing actually helping you move forward? Or is it then getting you to a place where you're kind of frozen because you're like so tired of being strong and you need a break? So I try to look at it from that perspective. And I think that helps to to guide me in if I'm being too resilient or not resilient enough. Yeah. I really like how you gave that point of reference. Is this helping or is this harming? And we have to be able to have the self-awareness to be able to ask ourselves those hard questions because it's easy to just glaze over that and just to not take a few steps back and ponder whether it's the right decision for us to be making or not. So I love that you shared that. Yeah, it's like to go back and hear in your head, I don't know, a parent or something saying push forward, right? Then you're saying to yourself, like, this feels harming. This doesn't feel Mm -hmm. healthy for me anymore. Like you were saying, Rochelle, like I'm losing my emotion 
with it. I'm just being mechanical, right? Mm -hmm. That's not helping me be better in life. But when I can take that time to reflect and go internal and really figure out what I need, then I can help myself. Yeah. It's my biggest struggle that when things start to happen, when I start needing to practice resilience, my default is to just go into operations mode. I can detach and say, all right, let's just do this. But it's only good for so long. You got to remember to be a human. On the same token, if you're sitting in this mentality like, oh, life is hard, everything's been put on me, it's terrible, then you get stuck and that becomes your identity. Mm -hmm. And that's not healthy either. So Mm -hmm. you need to figure out how to keep moving. Well, on that, what kind of activities can we put around strengthening resilience? Some of the things that I do regularly in my own self-care practices and Maybe things that you wouldn't think of as ways to develop resilience. But over the years, I've really leaned on these practices. One that I'll share is yoga, actually. And particularly, or especially like a vinyasa style or like a yin style too. The yin, because the poses are held for longer periods of time and often in uncomfortable positions. So that is a great way to be able to teach yourself how to stick with something that doesn't necessarily feel good, but it's going to feel greater afterwards. And then like Cindy shared earlier, her yoga experience, it doesn't necessarily have to be hot yoga. But again, you're holding these poses for extended periods of time in uncomfortable places and being able to sit with yourself and your breath and your body is a great way to cultivate that. Another thing that Cindy kind of shared too is just like doing those little things every day that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. So for Cindy, driving on that part of the highway, which (laughs) I totally agree with you, it's a little scary. (laughs) Or like I shared earlier, going to the movies alone if you have a fear around being by yourself or taking yourself out to dinner or maybe going on a solo trip too. That's a really great way to build confidence with yourself and resilience, you know, going out of town somewhere where you don't know and or have an electric vehicle. So it always makes it even more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some of the things that kind of stick out to me the most. And I think just anytime you start a new practice, like allowing yourself to not be good, allowing yourself Mm. to suck at things is a great way to build resilience too. So picking up new hobbies, whether it's drawing or singing or playing music, and it doesn't necessarily have to be to share or to put on a show about. It can be something that's just for you that you cultivate in your own personal time. Yeah. Cindy, what kind of activities do you do to strengthen resilience? I think everything that Reva mentioned are really important things that I try to do. I'd add in meditation that really helps me to center myself so I can kind of figure out how I can help myself. So that's an important piece for me. Definitely trying new things. I recently tried to pick up pickleball and I'm a person who has absolutely no hand-eye coordination. So when I first, my husband like, hey, we can play with our friends. Let's do this. My first thought is, oh gosh, this is going to be awful and he's going to be unhappy with me as a partner in playing pickleball. And I just told myself, no, you can do hard things. And I go out there every day and I try to play pickleball and I am getting better at it. 
I still have a ways to go, but I'm getting better at it. So I think you have to challenge yourself to not believe what you think all the time. I can have hand-eye coordination. I just have to work a little harder than everyone else because it wasn't something I did as a child very much. I'm working on that. Then I think a piece that Rochelle talked about earlier is being able to rely on other people and having those go-to people in your life that you can call when you really just can't get perspective on how to be resilient and how to pick yourself up. You have to have good people in your life that can help you. And it's okay to rely on other people. What about you, Rochelle? For me, it's what's the upshot? There's that story about the farmer and the donkey and his son, and it's, you know, good thing, bad thing, who knows? We'll include it in the podcast notes. But it's just kind of looking at situations and saying, is there a positive version of this or can this be used for the good in the long run? And, and also having people in my life that make me laugh so that I can chuckle it out when things are, are rough. I love that. So another thing to add to that, I know we've kind of touched on it, but just a movement practice in general. You know, if you're not drawn to yoga, maybe walking or running or strength mm-hmm. training, I think just being in our bodies and learning how to be uncomfortable because let's be real exercise isn't always super comfortable. I think anytime you're in your body and doing something that kind of pushes you and stretches you a little bit is uh, can be helpful to develop that skill for sure. Yeah, I can tell you that's true from the gym class that I went to this morning. <laughs> so Reva, what takeaways do you have from this conversation? I think one of the biggest ones, and I love that we touched on this, was the balance of resiliency and that there's two sides to it. And while that it does require us to get up and to move forward and to keep trying again, it also requires us to allow ourselves to fall and to sit with whatever we're experiencing so that we can move forward. We're not able to move forward without that piece. And so I think that's really important. And I'm just glad that we touched on both today. Mine is the same thing. Oh, gosh. I don't have to be Rosie the Riveter. That's not what being resilient looks like. It can look like a bunch of different things as long as I'm just trying to show up again. So Reva, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Thank you so much. Of course. And I'm wondering if you have a quote to take us home. I do. So it's actually from Nelson Mandela. Do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. 